Welcome to the Cannabis Equipment News Podcast. Hi, I'm David Manti, and welcome to a new episode of the Cannabis Equipment News Podcast. With me today is Harold Bouchard, president of Prosapac and Pre-Roller. How are you doing today, Harold? Excellent. Thank you, David. Yeah, thank you very much for joining me. It's good to see you again. Third time's a charm, right, Harold? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, before we get started, please make sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. You can also help us out a lot by leaving the podcast a positive review on whatever platform you use. If you want to email the podcast, you can reach me at david at cannabisequipmentnews.com with email the podcast in the subject line. You can also subscribe to our daily newsletter. Make sure you get it delivered to your inbox first. Harold, what's new with the pre-roller? Yeah, a lot of things happened since we last talked, David. Uh, so we've been growing to a much larger company. Uh, we've been growing to uh, to uh, Europe now. So okay. so we have uh, we have machines now in Europe, and uh, we've been growing also our product line. So it's still called Pre Roller, but uh, what we've done is uh, we've also have multiple solutions for the cannabis industry for the packaging automation. And uh, so we've developed a, a robot solution that's kind of a universal for cartridge and pre-rolls uh, that allows customers to automate their process to put pre-rolls into, into, uh, into uh, little boxes, uh, into jars, into tubes, uh, label. And in Canada, we do a lot of excise stamp application, which is very tedious and expensive. So we, we kind of expanded toward that. But we still, our flagship machine is still the pre-roller, which is the, the automated pre-roll machine. But uh, we've been expanding quite a bit the last time, uh, from, from the last time we talked. Any hiccups with moving into the European market? Yeah, it was, it was a long, I mean, I, I was actually just going to uh, shows in, in Germany, in Berlin. And, uh, by, and I was just looking at the market because it's, the market is not really ready, to be honest with you, for, for automation. It's not legalized yet, and it takes longer than expected. But uh, surprisingly, we sold machines in France, where oh. France, they're using CBD. Uh, they do smoke quite a bit, and they use CBD joint. And uh, we, we're, we're, we've been successful in a couple of installations there. And uh, so we're, we're actually expanding into this territory right now. And we're also going to multiple other countries, but it takes longer time. And uh, yeah, there's some regulation for C, for example, we had to go through a whole process for our machine to be approved. Mm. Uh, and we're looking for partners also for installation and startup and support over there. And uh, we're, uh, we're actually, my um, VP sales is traveling to Europe uh, next week, spend two, three weeks there and establish our our structure, if you want, in Europe to to be expanding there. Yeah, I had no idea that CBD pre rolls were uh, such a market in France. Me too, and and to be honest with you, we just met the the guy in the show in Berlin, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean that's when I found out that he was making tons of pre rolls, uh, a lot of pre rolls, close to a million a month of pre rolls. Oh. Yeah, so. And uh, he's, they, they have a lot of dispensary also that they sell CBD joint to. And it's it's a booming market. Uh, so, yeah, no, me too. I mean, I didn't know before I, I talked with this, this, this guy. And then we, we look at the market and it's, it's, a, it's a good market for us. Yeah. One thing that I've seen is 
machine manufacturers move into uh, markets overseas is the power is different. And uh, sometimes it's difficult to, you know, you kind of got to redesign the machine for different power. Did you run any into any issues with power requirements? We have uh, we have universal power if you want. So we go from 208 to 221 phase, and that's compatible for European power. Where where you would run into problem is in when you go to high voltage. So in Europe, they're going to use 600 volts instead of 480 that you see in the states for the three phase. But our machine takes uh, not much power to be honest. So that's not an issue. It's not an issue. It's it's more the security aspect of the machine. Uh, and all machines has to be C approved, which is the equivalent of the UL if you want in the States or CSA in Canada. So that that requires a little bit of adjustment on our machine. And the process is, it took us quite a bit of time to get it done, but now it's there. So we're, we're, we're fine with it. Yeah. What are some of the additional security requirements? Uh, they're, they're very, I mean, we are used to deal with that, to be honest, in Canada. It's, they're very, very strict in security in terms of um, anything related to pinch point. It's called pinch point. So when you put your finger somewhere, you, you get to have a certain distance from any movement. So uh, guarding uh, is critical. Uh, but since we already had those rules, if you want, in place with our machinery anyway, uh, that wasn't an issue at all. So we already had those in place because you have to understand that we also coming from um, the uh, ProSIP Act has been selling equipment in pharma and, and cosmetic and food industry where security is extremely important too. And so we tra- we transported, if you want, that, that technology into, into pre-roller, so into the cannabis industry. So our machine were already uh, compatible, if you want, with the European uh, security um, regulation. You raise a really interesting point because in other industries, machine guarding and lockout tagout are critical issues that seem to pop up all the time. How, how is the cannabis industry and the equipment in the industry kind of stack up when it comes to the safety aspects, particularly machine guarding and lockout tagout? I mean, it's like, because it's a new industry, um, Things are moving slowly to our automation and you don't have the, um, if you want the proper uh, manpower or staff or engineers in place in different locations to really follow the procedures. The procedures are there. As an engineer myself, when I, be, when I build a machine, I have personally a, a responsibility to build something that is safe for the public. And that's part of my profession, if you want. So, uh, and the team itself here, where we have, a, I have a lot of engineers, so we all build equipment to that standards. The issue is, is you do have some machinery out there that are not safe, and the customer will accept them because they don't have the regulation in house. Where, for example, in Canada, it's more, it's more restricted. I mean, there's more regulation in Canada than it is in the states. Some, some states, and it's not, it's not general. Okay, in the states, you will have facilities that are as equal or even better than the one in Canada. And you have, I mean, it differs from state to states and from customer to customers. So, um, but at the end of the day, um, it's really down to the customer. My responsibility to is to supply an equipment that is safe. But some people will bypass the safety uh, aspect of the machine. They will just remove doors, remove sensors, and just run the machine without the safety. But that's 
not my at that point it's the customer's decision to bypass those security yeah right um you were recently on a panel at a show on ai and automation in the cannabis industry and before we even dive into ai and automation and how it can play a role in cannabis one thing that I've been struck by is that there are a number of individuals in this industry that don't even know the differentiation between AI and automation. So how can we move forward with making these machines smarter when we don't even really understand some of the core terms? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many levels uh, of, of, uh, of automation, let's call it. But AI, I mean, if you go by step, so automation is really... You, you take a, a, a task that it's done by a human and automate that task. And usually what you want to do is repetitive task. Uh, that's what you want to first automate. Those are the yeah. simplest thing. And like this, as, yeah, like a pre-roller. So, okay. and, and then at the next level, okay, which, which has been there for 7,500 years, okay, Ford Model T was doing automation at that time. So, so this is not, this is not recent. It's something that's been there for forever, if you want. So industrial uh, facilities. So, but automation is, and and then the next step is industry 4.0. Industry 4.0, what it is, is you take data from different equipment and try to optimize your production with those data. Centralize information, and that relates to the maintenance of the machine, productivity of the machine, and making sure that uh, the machine are operating to its optimal performance. And that's industry 4.0. And there's a lot of investment done by the industrial world for industry 4.0. We are basically doing industry 4.0 in our, with our technology. So we can link all the machine together, reporting, optimizing. This we're, we're there. The AI, that's a different step. This is basically trying to use the machine to think Okay, and make decision based on productivity and production data, and that's that's a, a different level. Before we get there, okay, there's a lot of layer of automation uh, that exists, like PID loops, proportional integral derivative. That's that's been around forever, and that's that's something that it's it's got to be there before the AI, obviously, because that's way simpler to use. AI requires the knowledge, like an expert system, if you want. Uh, an expert system is a, is a data log of information and knowledge that is in the computer to make a decision for you based on production data. We are obviously going there eventually, but I think there's steps before getting there for us anyway as a company um, in, to use AI. There, there's going to be some small application on AI that will relate to productivity, uh, making decisions for the operator for certain uh, task that can be done, but uh, there, there's again there there's a lot of other things that I think needs to be covered and existing and known and efficient before all all moving to AI. But there there's some application because I was on the panel with uh, the guy at Curtin uh, Jay, and he's using it for vision system for to decide let's say on the buds. And that's, that has application. So there is application out there for AI. Us, we're more like mechanical type packaging equipment. Um, and so, uh, so AI will come, but not tomorrow, if you want. We're, we're down five, three to five years down the road. Is he using AI to size buds before they're packaged or while they're still on the plant? 
I, I think they're doing uh, after my understanding of their system. It's they cut the buds and then they can view the buds and sort them based on their characteristic. But there's a lot of characteristic. So it's not just the shape. It's also some chemical chemical uh, products within. With I think there's another company called Fermenta that was also uh, specialized in that. So, but I'm not an expert in that. But yes, uh, these technology yes would apply to the cannabis industry big time, which is what what uh, the other the food industry is using it big time, big 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 yeah. time. Because vision system is one thing, is a visual aspect. But what you do is you connect the visual aspect with a with a database of knowledge, and based on that, then you make very wise decision on what you do with specific products. And that's where AI, I, I, I see AI use, uh, be used in the cannabis industry big time. Yeah, I definitely see an immediate need in quality control um, and how it could be used there. But to your point, we're still like three to five years away from having the automation systems in place to even add the AI in, on top. Exactly, because I've been to different locations and that's what I do and I enjoy doing. I visit facilities and sometimes they have our machine there, sometimes they don't. And often it's just the basic automation that's not even there uh, that will increase productivity. People are complaining that they're not making any profit, they don't make any money. But the bottom line is that they have way too much repetitive tasks that are done by humans that could be automated. And with a payback that it's very quick and we have very ready to go solutions for that. And that's the first step. And then once we cover that, yes, we can go a step further. But the payback sometime on those solutions, instead of four, five, three, three, four, five, six months, it will be two years, three years, because then you you go where the other industries are going, because other industries, they all have that automation. They all have what what uh, what's been there for for a while and then they want to increase productivity and then that's where they go to the next level industry 4.0 the ai technology and that's where you get the extra 10 20 percent efficiency in your productivity but i think there's so much to cover right now just by applying simple automation that is so huge that before we get to the ai we'll take but again I don't want to, in my, in what I do, I mean, packaging automation, but like, like I said before, I think AI still can be applied today on quality control. Mm -hmm. I think that's where I think I can see potential, but for packaging automation right now, it's simple, well-known, efficient solution that we have ready to go. And we'll be able to show some of those solutions that MJB is also there. Um, and that's, that's, I think, where the big value is. It's not just making pre-rolls. It's how automating your pre-rolls to put pre-rolls into tubes, put a label on it, and remove all kinds of repetitive tasks that it's unbelievable. There is like 25, 30 people in a room doing things that can be done with a machine. So that's, that's where I think the, the growth of automation is. On the topic of MJ Biz, what are you going to be showcasing at the show? We we have uh, we actually have the uh, what's called the PR two hundred, which is our flagship machine that's been improving over over month years. Now we've been selling it for close to four years now, so uh, it's been that version for five five point one. We are uh, we we are so uh, showing our bigger machine, the PR four hundred that we've been selling. That's double the speed, same kind of technology. It's a bigger machine. We'll have a robot 
also that shows, like I said, the uh, the automation of putting pre-rolls and 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 cartridge into tubes, cart and carton, and so we'll have a robot actually moving and showing that with random pre-rolls. So and we have a vision system that detects and then and before putting in. So we have that and we have our what's called the monoblock. It's called the pre-roller line, which is very popular to automate the closing uh, of any time, any any cylindrical uh, shape like the pop-up uh, tubes, the twist cap, the jars, all that automation that takes, again, a lot of manpower. Uh, we'll have that full machine. And we also have a box finisher with a centrifugal solution. So it's a starter kit, we call it. And that will cover uh, a big, big chunk of customers' potentials for us. I think we haven't covered the smaller dispensary and people because in the States, dispensary can make their own pre-rolls and we just find out that they do have a lot of volumes. So we, we will offer a very nice and very price uh, competitive solution for that. We're going to the a leasing program too with some of our solutions, which will, uh, as you know, because... Uh, the Banking Act, I don't know if that's going to go through with everything that's going on. I'm not going to get into the details on that, but we all know that it may be longer than expected. So money is still very difficult to find. Even if what I found is there, there's a shift in the market where people are making money. There is some people that are making money that have been managed their business wisely and they niche some some specific area. I think I think there is more money than it was six months ago. My feeling right now, in the market, but still, it's money. Cash flow is very, very difficult. So we decided to help our customers by doing a leasing program on our on our flagship, the PR two hundred, on different stages, different models. So that will allow customers to get the machine, and it's a lease to own too. So it's not just leasing and leasing; it, they will eventually own the machine. So that that's a big, big move. We decided to do that, and we we're launching at MJ Biz. We already have. Three or four customers on it, but we're the big launch is really at MJ Biz, and we're doing that for that for the PR two hundred, and also for the box finisher starter kit for dispensary also. So because they don't have all the cash to invest in that technology, so uh, yeah, so that's that's what we're going to be uh, launching. Plus, we also do uh, some shorter financing internal financing for our customers with very reasonable rate um, because right now it's very expensive to uh, borrow money. Mm. And uh, so we, we try to help uh, our customer for short-term uh, financing. So we, we try to, we, we listen to the customers. They want our machines, but they don't have the money. So we're, we're trying to find solutions for them to access the technology and be more, more efficient, more productive in their uh, facility. Okay. Um, I want to go back to the uh, the PR400 because you said it was faster, better output. Um, what improvements did we see in the 400 um, over the 200? I mean, in terms of, I think it's really uh, a machine that it's more compact. So it takes um, it takes probably 30% less space than 2200 for the same speed of 2200. Uh, so technology-wise, we basically didn't reinvent the wheel. We use what's been working on the 200 and apply it to the 400. So really a 400 is the equivalent of two 200 stick together, mm. uh, which use basically one control panel, one PLC. 
So we save some money there. We also have two HMI. Uh, so it looks like this. Okay. So basically, the, the, the advantage of it is that you do have redundancy. So instead of having a machine that is down, it's only one side that could be down. The other would run. You could run also each side from each HMI. So you could run from the left HMI, the right machine, vice versa. We also have a robot in the back that gives us redundancy in terms of uh, trays. So when, you're, when you empty a tray, you can use the, the, the remaining tray to feed both machines while I'm filling that tray. <coughs> so that allows me never to stop the machine. Uh, and we make it more compact, but we still have the weighing of the flower initially, which made our name very famous and our layer compaction technology that's been also known very well in the market. And we still have the, uh, we added a scale at the end also. So we do have a check weighing also on the 400. Okay. So that's basically why we put that together. We're onto something big. We never stop in terms of innovation. We have now probably 10, over 10 patents pending right now, and we keep improving. We have, we're, we're going to put also a new product on the market that will um, uniform, it makes the product more uniform before putting into the machine. And it could be our machine or other machines. So we have a module that's, that's going to be up on the market. I, I don't want to talk too much about it yet because it's not been released. Mm-hmm. But we're very close for releasing it. I will contact you, David, because that that's going to be a game changer. Very inexpensive module, but will make a big, big uh, difference in terms of uh, quality control and consistency and ease of use for the machine. Yeah, no, I definitely look forward to hearing more about that as uh, the details can come out. Uh, one thing I've noticed is that now that you've had more machines in the market, you've had a little bit more feedback from uh, people that are using them, some case studies that have been published, you know. Can you mention any of the companies that you've had uh, sort of, I don't want to say success stories, but what's some of the feedback that you're getting from some of your recent customers and maybe some of the ROI that they've realized? I mean, every day and right now it's, um, it's, it's a situation right now where our machine is, um, is very popular and what, what I can give you is obviously I can give you some some big names. Uh, we're we're at Curelief, which is a big big customer, obviously in the states, um, and uh, we have a lot of big names now that they standardize with our machine, even if, even if our machine is not cheap because of the quality and because of consistency. But it's not just that. I think it's also the quality, the service, supporting our customers, and this has been our bread and butter. This has been in the DNA of the company is when customer calls for a problem, we're there. And I have now over, what, 14 technicians on the road all the time in North America, and and they're on calls all the time. And we basically try to do our best to support everybody. And it's the machine may not be the best. It may have some issues. But if, you, if you're there and support the customers and help them, for their production, you have to understand that the customer buy a machine. He wants a machine to produce, and we have a lot of customer running twenty four seven. So he, he, the the thing is, he wants his machine to be producing all the time. So having that in mind, and I'm putting also my always myself in their in the customer shoes. I'm investing a lot of money. I want this machine to produce. So I'm trying to be extremely proactive, and it's part of the DNA of the company. 
is to support the customers. So to answer your question, we're at Tilray. They standardize with our machine, uh, big companies in Canada. We're, we have over uh, 225 of those big machines out there. So now we're in Europe. So we are, I think, the one of the largest, if not the largest, in complete automated solutions. And we're there for a reason. I mean, we keep investing in R&D. We keep improving our machine. We're there to support our customers. And we're also, imp- we're also going towards something even better that's coming also. Uh, I cannot talk to you about that, but that, that's there, there's a lot going on. Okay. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's great. I mean, and I like the bread. I like the breadcrumbs too uh, for something that's coming. Um, so, wh- what feedback are you getting from the customers in terms of what they're looking for next? And I also want to mention, like, it's refreshing to hear an engineer say, like, "Hey, here's a machine. We know it's not perfect." but we're going to be there to make it work, to make sure that it's working all the time. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't hide myself. I mean, initially, I mean, I started that in this industry close to four years ago. And believe me, I've been through a lot of, uh, a lot of issue, a lot of problems, a lot of up and downs. And, but I never gave up. I never gave up. And I never, I still talk with my customer number one, machine number one, machine number two. I was, and I had a conference in, you, you mentioned at CanExec uh, earlier, and I had uh, probably 15 customers in there, and all high level. I, I wouldn't be able to stand in that room without supporting those guys. It mm-hmm. just doesn't make sense. So if I, I try to, uh, and the feedback that I get from customers is that help me, and I will help you. And it's a partnership. So yeah. it's basically how I create relationship with my customers and the team. Obviously, I cannot be close relationship with everybody because we have a lot of customers, but my, my whole team has the same mentality. Uh, it's basically trying to understand the needs and improve the machines. The machine, like you said, is, is not, it's not still not perfect. And what we're aiming to, and I just came out of an engineering meeting is that to make the machine like an iPhone, okay, press a button and it works. Mm. So that module I talked to you about, that will be part of it. And also the machine intelligence. We talk about having more uh, fine-tuned, auto-tuned systems within the machine. So that's coming very rapidly. So that's coming in early 2024. So this will make the machine... The issue we had with the machine, and we still have, is a question of training. It's a question of customer understanding how to uh, how to set up the machine with the different recipes because cannabis the beauty and the the bad and the good with cannabis is uh, it's it's a product that is different from customer to customer from strains to strains from infused product from I mean there's dry infusion there's wet infusion there's there's so many different strains and people will use all kinds of different uh, mixes so the machine needs to adapt to all of this. And sometimes it's a question of being able to train properly the customer to for him to understand and master the machine to adapt for that. Once the recipe is set up in the machine, then it repeats itself. And we had customer doing ex- extremely, I mean, much higher speed than I was expecting from the machine. Extremely, very, very, very well. Where others are slower because they don't master the machine yet. What the next step for us is to make the machine more intelligent, to simplify the whole operation of the machine. 
So that's my ultimate goal. And we're very close to that. So, yeah. Speed is one thing, but I think people always relate to speed. But at the end of the day, what you want is you want to the throughput over an eight-hour shift. You don't want to stop the machine. And you want consistency on your quality. And that's where we've been focusing on. Yes, speed is one thing, but if you just advertise speed, but the machine is always stopped and you have 20% reject, it's no good. So we, we focus on keeping the quality, very, very low reject, 2% and less, and have uh, a machine that's constantly running. Yeah, it's all about uptime, right? It's all about uptime. Um, you have, like you said, clients of all sizes across multiple countries. If you had to give a short version of how, like, uh, your take on the economic climate in cannabis in both Canada and the U.S., what would that be? I think I think we're we're in a, a stage right now where there's going to be a lot of consolidation. Let's talk about Canada first. Canada is is an is a place where there was some obviously still some very big company that had unlimited money for a while. And now they realize that it's no longer there. They need to basically make money to continue and possibly uh, change their business plan to be more focused on, on something specific. So I had customers that used to grow and now they, they don't grow anymore. They just focus on packaging, large company. They just realize that that's, that's where their niche is. And they've been, they've been pivoting into this and they've been very, very uh, successful. I think the secret right now is to spend, people have, in mind that they spend their money wisely. That that's critical. So you don't spend on equipment, for example, that's not been proven uh, because they've been burned so often. So mm-hmm. you have to pick your the supplier that's been there, has been proven. Look at the machine. Go and see what's working. And that's what I've been hearing from from my customers is that they 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 basically every dollar is stuff to to earn. People that are successful is they manage their production very wisely, very tight. And there is people out there that are making money, like I said. But the banking is also a big issue still in Canada. It's very, very difficult for cannabis, even if it's legalized nationally uh, in Canada. It's very difficult for for the the LPs in Canada to get money uh, Mm -hmm. still. So it's private lending a lot, very, very expensive money. Uh, to get money. So that that's still an issue. You will still see a lot of consolidation uh, in the market. There is there was a lot of a lot of that in the last 12 months. We've had some customers that uh, went bankrupt, machine were on the market and uh, they they were relocated. I've seen that. And I think the what if I would give one advice to uh, to to the customers is try to pick one area that you're good at and just be the best at that area. Don't try to be everything for everybody. And that's, that's the main secret. And that's the secret for any industries, basically. Yeah. So I think that's, that's the situation in Canada. In the U.S., I think it's similar, but there's some mature market, as you know, California, Arizona, Washington State, Oregon. Those markets are very still struggling a lot. What we've been very successful for automation, there's, there's more money, is the markets more on the East Coast, Michigan, uh, Massachusetts, even Florida now it's growing, even if it's not recreational legalized. But Ohio, that's going to come on board. I think it's going to be great. Um, and people believe in automation a, a lot. Uh, manpower is very expensive there too. So that brings automation. 
money is still a huge challenge for most of the customers and very expensive. So again, the same advice applies that make sure that when you pick a supplier, it's a partner and it's going to be there for you. Uh, and that's what we're trying to do. But the situation, I think it's going to grow. I mean, it's amazing. The, the market is just growing. I couldn't believe the number of machines that we have installed and you look at, you translate that to number of pre-rolls. It, it's just for me, it's blow my mind. I mean, the, that that skew as in Canada now is is basically at the same level than the flower skew. So it's, close, it's over 30% where it's not the case in the US, but it's also growing very rapidly. So for us, it's good news. Uh, but again, we have to be uh, on top of everything uh, in terms of improvement and support. Yeah. So when you see Ohio legalize and they, you see rough timelines coming out of uh, what it be DSA predict that maybe it really doesn't get up and running until late next year, most likely early 2025. When do you start approaching the markets with your solution? Are you watching uh, people who win licenses? Are you waiting to see who uh, wins um, cultivation licenses? Where do you, where do you start? I think right now uh, we try to be visible. I think our marketing right now is to be visible to everybody to, to so they know we are there and we can supply solutions. But we do some direct marketing also to specific um, newcomer. But like you said, it takes time. But automation takes time. So uh, we have we have also MSO that will move to Ohio that mm -hmm. already have our equipment. And they said, like, we're going to move to Ohio late 2024. Uh, okay, we're going we're gonna to want this and this and that, the same thing that we have on our other locations. So, uh, and that's, that's coming this way. Um, and uh, that's, that's, and, but we, we, kind of change we, we've done so many shows at one point i had like three shows at the same time and that's just crazy we find out that there's um, probably more uh more i think our money will be spent differently in 2024 in terms of marketing money uh to to uh to get ourselves known uh for our solutions than doing all the shows because there was some show very very uh disappointing shows i mean there was no nobody showing up so we're going to pick our shows a little bit more but um i think it's a question of getting us more visible um in the market and people will come to us obviously we have our our sales structure i just hire a new a new guy that that manage uh sales and marketing is out of boston He's a great guy. I mean, he's got huge experience. He used to own a uh, facility also, and he was, uh, he's was he got engineering background. He has an automation company too, good management skills, and he's going to help also with the planning. And that leasing program comes from him. Uh, we do a lot in terms of also supplying good quality cones also, which is good recurrent revenue that help us support our customers and, and produce better quality of products. So, I think I think right now uh, it's a a good timing for us to um, to spend money more wisely, if you want, uh, instead of just trying to be out there more more planning. We used to just go and say, okay, let's do it, without really have a good strategy. Now with this guy in place, he's been there for what four months now, and he's really really good. 
you talked about new packaging automation. Does the packaging automation attach to the 400 and 200, or is it a separate installation where you are moving pre-rolls to the packaging automation? Both, uh, David, both. So we have, we still have our solution that you've seen that pick up the pre-roll directly from our machine to the tube with a vision system. This is still popular. We still sell that. But what, what our customer have been asking is that can, can we take bulk pre-rolls, put it in a bucket and just take that and multiple pre-rolls or one pre-rolls and put it into cartridge, into uh, not cartridge, but carton, uh, tubes, jars. And so we have that solution with vision system. We also have solutions that are semi-automatic, which has been also very popular. So you sort the different uh, format, like tubes, for example, and put it in a, which we call it the feed screw, but it's mm-hmm. basically a conveyor for unstable products, unstable tubes. Mm-hmm. And then you have people putting uh, products into it, like pre-rolls or cartridge. And then that moves to a, a automated machine to do the rest of the task, which is verifying pre-rolls is in there, closing the cap, either a twist or a snap cap, putting a label on it, putting a code on the label. And in Canada, we can put the excise stamp also. So that's solving a lot of issues. And then go one step further, add the robot we talked about. Mm. So the robot could be attached to our existing pre-roller equipment or separate solution. So we have both. And we're going to show that at MGBiz. Okay. Okay. Um, I wanted to touch on that leasing program one more time or the lease to own program. Uh, You said that you have a couple of people already enrolled in it. How is it going? And what does the timeline look like from leasing to own something where you start leasing it? And how long is it until you own it? Yeah, that's a good question. And um, what we try, we looked at different uh, scenario. I know some of our competitors, I think they're using a, a lease, but you never really own the machine. And uh, we thought that at one point, the customer would want to own the machine. So the leasing is three years. So you, you basically, it's kind, of a, it's, it's kind of a loan kind of things, but hmm. it also comes with service. So you lease the machine. We have a service program where we supply all the parts, all the service for the time of the lease. We also supply the cones for the customer at a very competitive price. And after three years, you look at the numbers and uh, you own the machine for a dollar, basically. And so it's, um, I think it's a great program for people that don't have the cash up front and they want to have the quality of a pre-roller machine. And so we made it very attractive for, uh, for that. So, but what we had to do is to add technology to our machine. So uh, so we added a vision system, uh, like a camera type system to supervise. We have, we actually use Industry 4.0. That's where we develop a lot of technology for dashboards. So remotely in the cloud, we have all the data from the machine. And so we know the reject rate, we know the production, we know all the issue with the machine. So operator can actually enter if there is a, there is a slowdown on the machine, what happened, and that gets reported. So we know exactly what's going on. We can connect to the machine remotely. Machine has to be connected to Ethernet in order for us to do those actions. So yeah. a lot of thought and technology came by doing this. It's not just say, okay, put a machine. And one thing that's important is you need the machine that's very stable because you don't want to put a machine that's not performing, obviously, because you it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of issues. So that's why I was 
I was talking to you about having the machine simpler to operate. So we're going toward that very quickly. And that's, uh, that's what uh, we do with the leasing program. Yeah. Okay. Do you foresee customers wanting to stay in the leasing program just because of, you know, the supply of cones, the maintenance package, stuff like that? I mean, I could see that being more attractive to companies that are running lean or really just don't have the staff. Great question. Yes, absolutely. And that's basically, we have different maintenance programs. And once you finish your three years, you own your machine, but it doesn't stop you from uh, continuing the maintenance program. So we'll support the machine. We'll maintain the machine. We'll go there every three months, make sure machine is performing. We remotely access the machine. So those plans are actually available now for our existing customers and for the people that have been leasing, obviously, who will be available in the future. And you're right. I mean, people don't want to spend some time the money to hire highly qualified technicians. So we're there for them. We have multiple people now uh, on the road to do that. Yeah. You know, because the industry is still very relatively new, are, is there a dearth or a lack of quality maintenance professionals in the cannabis industry? Yeah. I, I, the, the thing is, there, there's a break point. The, the thing is, when you go to other industries, there's so much equipment. I mean, at the level, let's say I take like roughly the same size company in the food industry, in the cannabis industry, okay? Mm -hmm. They have probably 10 times more automated equipment than in the cannabis industry. So it's always a question of volume. Can I can I hire like a electromechanics uh, to support my automated equipment? I, you have to have certain volume of equipment. You have to have enough equipment to justify the salary of a guy. And that's not the fault of the operator. It's more the fault of the lack of automation. And that in the it's still a lack of automation in the cannabis industry. And that's the issue. So they take a good operator. And they train him and he becomes really good with our equipment. And then we had very often customer add machines and this guy becomes the champion, becomes the guy that main, uh, maintain the equipment, optimize the equipment, and then they hire some, some guy. And we, we, we often get involved in the, tr the continuous improvement and not continuous improvement, continuous training for the, for the, uh, for the customer. But, and it's not easy. I mean, it, but that's across all industries uh, to find professionals quality professionals, engineers, and technicians is is difficult. And that's not just, that's everywhere. That's in the US and in Canada. So, and it's not just for the cannabis industry. It's for all industries. Right. Well, Harold, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, before we get out of here, you know, is there anything else uh, that you want to make sure the Cannabis Equipment News audience knows about what's going on at Pre-Roller yourself or anything going forward until the next time we talk? Look, I, I just want to say uh, that uh, we're all there for the good reasons, and we're extremely happy where we are now in terms of company. And But I just want to say to my customers and potential customers that if you're looking for a reliable partner that cares about your business, just contact us. And obviously, uh, if you can come to MJBiz, I'll be there. Uh, my whole team will be there. We have a very nice booth there. And uh, let's have a little chat together and see if we can uh, work together. Excellent. Excellent. Well, you know what? I'm hoping to have a little chat with you while we're there as well, just to get caught up in person. I think that'd be great. Yeah, sounds good. It's always a pleasure, David. Great, great questions. And uh, enjoy that uh, interview. 
Excellent. Well, before we get out of here, please make sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. You can also help us out a lot by leaving the podcast a positive review on whatever platform you use. If you want to email the podcast, you can reach me at david at cannabisequipmentnews.com with email the podcast in the subject line. You can also subscribe to our daily newsletter. Make sure you get it delivered to your inbox first. For Harold Bouchard, president of Prosapac and Pre-Roller, I'm David Manti. This is the Cannabis Equipment News Podcast, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Cannabis Equipment News Podcast.